Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. Yes, it was. No question about that. Democrats. No, well, we won't go there. No question about that. Uh, welcome to another edition of Emil Franzing's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander. Bunker de France is here. Our yep. uh, other co-host, Todd Roberts, is out in Los Angeles. And, howdy, howdy. and we've got uh, uh, in studio with us David Layton, journalist here in Tucson, and uh, also in uh, Los Angeles at Todd's place is our guest, uh, Dan Galeoso. We've got and, a full, boy, full house you, here. Man, you know, this, 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 I'll, raise and, I'll raise you and see you two. Yeah, we ought to get a poker game going here. We could totally get a poker game going, yeah, we, too, I mean, I'm saying. I hope I win. Well, that ain't going to happen. That's probably. <laughs> <laughs> our topic today is the art of... Um, Charlie Russell, and for those who may not know uh, who Charlie Russell was, he was a, a great artist, a great sculptor. If you've heard of Frederick Remington, you've probably heard of Charlie Russell. If you haven't, you've been you, in a hole all you, your life, yeah, pretty and much. you should stay there. Pretty or much. a cave. And, and the reason Dan is with us is because, besides being an expert on Custer and a variety of other things, Dan is also an expert on... Well, I don't know if he's an expert, but he's, he's writing a book. He's writing a book, I guess. So he is an expert uh, on Charlie Russell, Dan. Kid Russell, Dan. Welcome to the program. Well, thank you. Good to be back with you guys. Yeah, uh, and and prior to the uh, to all of this, I don't even remember why we got on this Charlie Russell kick. But Dan sent to us a uh, I said so. Okay, a presentation uh, that he delivered to. Uh, uh, was it Charlie Russell Art Center, Center of uh, Western Art and University of Oklahoma last year. And it was a hell of a presentation and how Western art, the influence of Western art on Western movies. And, you know, it's, yeah, it sounds like it should be, and, and yes, it is. That's how we came to the topic, that is we be. were talking about that must how be. we need to do something about Western that must art. Be. That must be. And we mentioned a couple and of people. And Dan, Dan was and there. Dan was, you know, <laughs> well, I know. He popped off, you know, and said, hey, I know. <laughs> hey, Dan, can we call you Kid Dan or, you know, like Kid Russell, or is that okay? I don't know. <laughs> Well, that makes me feel younger, so go ahead with that, Bunker. <laughs> <laughs> how, how did you become interested? Well, first of all, let's talk about Charlie Russell, who he was. He lived uh, in the, from the period of, uh, he was born, what, 1860, uh, 1864, and he died in uh, 1926 and, uh, in Great Falls, Montana. And I, I, he was born in St. Louis, but spent much of his life in... Um, in uh, Montana and, and the Northwest, well, I guess we should call it. he was about 16 old. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, he's famous for painting cowboys, Native Americans, and landscapes of the western United States. I mean, I don't know what else we can and quite, say. And, and quite a storyteller and a writer. You know, there's a book out, Trails Plowed Under, that I have uh, been turned on to, and it's uh, by Charles M. Russell. It's Marion. Yes, and it's the stories of the Old West, and uh, the introduction is uh, done by Will Rogers. Uh, it, it's uh, <laughs> it's pretty doggone funny introduction, too. But the, the writing, the stories, and i got to tell you, they got to be stories. None of that stuff could have really happened, like the... Bear in the cabin at uh, Christmas time. I don't know. Ra well, you know Rawhide Rollins. Was, you know he had another book, Good Medicine, which illustrated letters, and that I had the pleasure of reading when I was in the Navy uh, out in Pearl Harbor. And I'll tell you, just I would love to have been a friend of his and got a letter or a card because he always drew these great watercolors. On them and mm -hmm. his Christmas cards, you know, they they still pop up from time to time. So, Dan, how did the interest in Charlie Russell come about for you? You know, it all came through the movies sent me to the library. The library sent me to the shelves with the books, and when I started finding those big folio books on Remington and Russell, that was the whole the whole start of it. Yeah. And I, I can tell you, even today. If you show, Remington was, was an incredible talent, no doubt about it. But if you put a Remington and a Russell next to each other, 
of similar subject matter, so say cowboys on a trail drive, and you put real ranch cowboys or, or rodeo cowboys that are ranch cowboys like the Wright brothers, you tell them which one of these they like better, it's always going to be the Charlie Russell because there's that little edge of humanity that comes out. Even though all the details are correct, the saddles are right, the court, if it's Indian stuff, everything's right, but that's, you could tell that there was just this innate kind of Charlie's humor, Charlie's warmth, this good-naturedness, it, it, it comes through. Well, you know, there's a thing, too, which I know it's, it's being picky, but, you know, it's the depiction of the cowboy hat, and... I look at Russell and I look at Remington, and again, it's it's the Russell hats are cowboy hats. The Remington hats, an awful lot of them are dime novel hats. Well, Dan brought that out in his presentation oh, about about the hats, and and specifically the the hat similar to what Charlie wear wore, is more of a plains. Am I right on this? It's a plain style hat. Yeah, it's it's closer to. I don't know what that was, but Charlie Russell's hats are much more like a boss of the plains, a lower crown. And remember, he's doing the Northwest. Right. A lot of what Remington did was the Southwest. And so when you see those big rims flopping up, a lot of those hats weren't stiff like they are today. And so those big brims in the southwest, guys riding full out, you know, would throw up in the front and everything, kind of like a cavalry hat. Right. It's creased that way and the yeah. brim shaped that way. Yeah. That's, that's, that's somewhat regional. Hmm. And, and so, you know, it's just like you used to be able to tell the crease in some cases mm-hmm. by what part of the country a guy came from. Not yeah. totally, but there was a lot of that. Yeah, if the cut was down, this, down the middle uh, and, and coming down at an angle, that's a Montana cut. Right. Those will come later, too. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things, too, though, is that you take a working cowboy chasing a cow. He doesn't want a hat that's going to flop down in front of his eyes just about the time he's getting ready to pop a bush. Yeah. And that was one of the things, I, like for me, with Remington, was I'm thinking, here's this cowboyman chasing, chasing or being chased by a bunch of Sioux's. And his hat's down over his eyes, and he can't see what the hell's going on. And I just always bugged me. Well, I remember Remington was an Easterner that, and a journalist, even when he went west. Right. So he was an observer. Charlie was a participant in the way of life. Oh, yeah, true. that's a good way to put it, yeah. Very true. Yeah. Mm. Well, I remember... Uh, seeing a television program on uh, uh, must have been YouTube I guess or, well it's uh, Forsaken Westerns Bob Terry's uh, uh, contribution on YouTube where he has all of these pilots that never made it and there was a pilot called Russell and uh, it starred Fess Parker and it was uh, about Charlie Russell and basically he's uh, you see all you see him doing real you see him riding but Predominantly, you see him sketching on on the side of the covered wagon on the canvas, and uh, uh, that made him popular with a lot of people. I, I, yeah, <laughs> well, and as Dan pointed out in his presentation, there was, I guess, was it Joe DeYoung who did this? With, scribbled on Andy Devine's uh, rear end, seat of his pants. Yeah, it was a movie <laughs> called Geronimo. It was kind of a low budget. They used a lot of footage from the Gary Cooper movie, The Plainsman, that Joe had worked on. Yeah. And so you always see in the Russell paintings those leather seats or canvas seats yeah. on cowboys, just like cavalry troopers often did. Mm-hmm. They put white canvas because your pants wouldn't wear out as, as quickly because the parts were not covered by shaft. Yep. And so Joe came up with this idea. I have that photograph of Andy Devine leaning up against a wall and he's got a pair of those pants on with the seat, which you hardly ever saw in Westerns until around the time of Lonesome Dove and uh, uh, Tombstone. That's when they started to show that again. And he's sketching a, a thing on the back of, of Andy Devine's pants, Jody Young. Yeah. And the gag was that Andy Devine is a cheapest scout. And he's always doing, he's an artist, and he's always taking charcoal, and he's, he's always 
on pieces of wood and tops of barrels and stuff, and he's doing this sketch criticizing the commanding general on the wooden table in the barracks. And the general comes in, so he sits on it to hide it, but he's imprinted it on the seat of his pants. <laughs> and so that was, I had to explain that when I gave the, the lecture, good. you know, and it, I'm sure Joe DeYoung came up with that idea. That's, that's good. And, and said, hey, and so that then fell to him to have to sketch the damn thing on, on Andy Devine's rear end. So, <laughs> Well, Todd, didn't uh, Lee Marvin wear those Charlie Russell-style pants in uh, Monty Walsh? Uh-uh. No, he he wore a uh, <clears throat> kind of a corduroy pant, which the 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 cord whales were going horizontal. Kind of a se- seersucker. No, no, they're corduroy. Uh, and then his ah, okay. shirt was a muslin. Right. So muslin, but it, no muslin. It was uh, his 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 outfit was different than everybody else's. But all that's right. because Lee had that kind of leeway. Okay. Now, i got to explain. The reason we're getting all this echo in, in here, and we're going to get that resolved very quickly here, is that Dan is staying at Todd's place in California. So they're basically in the same room, and Todd has a, a like a sandwich box uh, for a condo. <laughs> now, it's, it's good and spacious. Um, but uh, so, guys, you're going to have to separate a little more so that we can you know, eliminate our echoing going on there. You know, Harry, you're listening with a, with a sound man's ears. I am. I can't hear it. Well. Can you hear it? Yes, I can hear yeah. it. Oh, okay. I hear talk, yeah. All right. So, with that said. Okay. Where do we go? Uh, where did we go wrong? Yeah, where? Well, you know, let's, let's look here. You I know, was going to mention something. Uh, I believe Russell passed away in Pasadena, California, not Great Falls, Montana. Uh, that's, well, he died in I don't know if they did. I, I think that's where he's buried, but I, I believe oh, I he see. died in Pasadena. I know he was a Montana resident. Well, he, you he, know, I know. He, I, was, he was down there the summer before he died. I believe he passed away. They were away. building a house in Pasadena, he and Nancy. Yeah. And that was Nancy's idea because they came out here to California a lot starting in the late teens, early 20s. They had a lot of big buyers from movie stars and stuff. And. I'm not positive whether Charlie ever got to spend a night in that house or not. Something mm. since uh, yeah, he did that I, I thought I had read, sorry to interrupt, but I thought he had died in Pasadena, but I could be wrong, or I maybe he was resigned. Could yeah, I, think I so. could be off on that. <laughs> That's a nice try, though. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thought I'd add something to the conversation. <laughs> well, you know, mentioning Nancy, you know, she was, what, 17 when they got married, and she probably has more to do with his success even than his painting because she was, she was the business business yeah. person and because Charlie, you know, he he just... Uh, paint and give it away. No, well, he'd sketch and pay give his it away. bar bill, you know. Yeah, yeah. Winter someplace. And in in the, that uh, pilot episode of Russell, that, was, that fact was brought out where uh, the wife takes over all of the business stuff and tells Charlie, you just paint. I'll take care of the rest. <laughs> well, you know, that was one of the things about him, too, is, you know, like he'd, he'd do a painting or a drawing, and some old rancher up there would say, Charlie, I like that painting, and you do me one like it. Yeah, here, well, I'll give you one. original. Well, he said, no, I want just like it. Yeah. So he'd do one just like it. The only difference would be that he would have the rancher's brand on the horses. And that's one of the things I loved about Charlie. You look at some of his paintings, and there's one, I can't think of which one it is, but uh, their guys are their guys are roping a steer, and there's one guy over, and he's got kind of like a uh, running you or something. And the guy in the foreground, the horse he's riding's got about three or four brands on him, mm. which tells you that's part of the storytelling that this horse got around. Mm. The in your pre- that was they always said that Charlie painted. You knew it was that horse that that yeah. guy rode. It wasn't somebody else's horse. So you know if. If he was a little, you know, strong in the withers or, you know, he was maybe a little, you know, underweight or something, you'd get all that, you know, just as it was that guy's saddle. Those were the things that people knew him loved. Now, Dan, I liked that in your presentation you did a a, a real, I thought, very good comparison of how uh, the picture can become the, the, the subject of the movie. 
and it was a silent movie, and I don't remember what the title was, but uh, you showed the you showed the picture, the or the scene showed the picture in the background, and then the camera kind of moved in uh, to the to the painting, and then the action it dissolved where the painting came to life. And, and that, that was that hell bad. Yeah. It, was it was one of John, John Ford's Ford first films, films as a director. Mm-hmm. It was made on Harry Carey Sr.'s ranch out in Newhall, California. Mm-hmm. And Charlie used to go out there and stay with with, with Harry Carey Sr. Wow. And so, you know, the odds of them meeting were very, very likely. John Ford and, and yeah. Charlie Russell meeting. Yeah. But that's a Remington painting, not a Russell oh. painting. And so, and it's the aftermath of, of a gunfight, mm-hmm. you know, during a poker game. And yeah, it becomes the beginning of the movie, which you haven't seen very often in a film before or since. No. You know, there's probably somewhere out there, there's something like that exists, but, you know, I haven't seen it. I've tried to track down a lot of that stuff. Well. And so that was, that was Ford's imagination, even as a young director who was yeah. only in his early 20s then. Yeah. And uh, that footage, the, the damn clip is from a Czechoslovakian right. uh, film uh, uh, library. that, And so it's in the ju- explaining letter that was filmed in English, because <laughs> it's all a setup. It's the, there's a guy who writes Western novels, but he's in his library. He looks like a Victorian writer. There's nothing Western. <laughs> and he gets a letter criticizing him going, you don't seem to understand who Westerners are and your your characters aren't realistic and he walks over and the only Western thing in his library is that painting ah. he begins to stare at it and it comes to life ah, okay. and that starts the story that that, that is cool yeah, all right we got to do our first commercial break here we're talking with Dan Galeazzo and uh, uh, um yeah, David Layton is in studio with us. Senior moment, I'm sorry. <laughs> they, I'll let it slide this one they, time. They, they, have, it. they happen all too frequently. You need to get him a name tag. I know. Harry uh, I can wear a name tag last time, yeah, next time I show, come th- on the show. Thank you. If you want. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts. So uh, This is Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. We're going to be back with much more right after these very, very important messages. Stay tuned. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were built. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and a hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. I'm Miss Wilkinson Investments. They're really good at what they do. 777-1911. America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Anderson. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient, and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? 
hire one. Go to legion.org slash honorveterans to find out how you can help. Watch classic western movies anytime at voicesofthewest.net. Back on Emil Francie's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, Todd Roberts out in Los Angeles, and in studio with us is David Layton, and also in Los Angeles, our guest is Dan Galeoso. A little bit of music there for scribbling, sketching. A little jazzy, yeah. jazzy music here. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Well, our know, topic today is uh, the works of Charlie Russell, and how, uh, well, just because. Well, you know, <laughs> it, it's just, it's, he's important because of... The influence he's had on the West, people, people writing today, ask any member of the WWA who Charlie Russell is, and they'll probably go, oh my God, you're asking me, that everybody knows who Charlie Russell is. Yeah. But, you know, David, during break, uh, this is a little piece of information, Charlie Russell trivia that uh, is unique to Tucson, and David, lay it on us. Yes, so just a little piece of uh, Tucson history here. Uh, back in the late 40s, uh, there was an artist group here of writers and painters and stuff like that. And they wanted to found an artist colony. So they bought a piece of land inexpensively on the west side of Tucson uh, on what's now 36th Street. Um, and what they did is they bought the land, they divided it up, um, bought the property, and they decided to call it Casas Oestas or Western houses, Western homes, you could say. And um, they actually added the land, uh, named the streets, and they named the streets after Western painters. There was like a Remington Street, and there was also a Russell Avenue. And the artist colony apparently never happened. Like, they bought the land, they divided up. For some reason, I can't find anything about the artist colony. It was about 1950. And... So even though the streets were laid out and named, the colony never happened. I think my guess would be that uh, Tuvac, Arizona, was becoming an artist colony at that point. So they went to Tuvac. But there's still a tiny little street here called Russell Avenue. It's across the street from Hank Oyama Elementary School. The elementary school is now sitting on the land where that failed artist colony was supposed to be. And so there's just a little Tucson history. There's a Charlie Russell Street called and, Russell Avenue. And, you know, there's an interesting lesson in that. Remington only rated a street. Russell rated it an avenue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It shows the the level of talent of Russell versus Remington. Oh. But, yeah, there's still a little piece of that Russell Avenue across the street from Hanko Young Elementary School. That's hey, an army out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, let's see what else. Well, here's an interesting little thing here. Uh, he had a one-man exhibition in New York, the Olson Gallery in 1909, titled The West That Has Passed. And the following year, he gained international attention at the first Calgary Stampede. And well, I, I thought that was really interesting because he sold a bunch of stuff there, but the people that were buying his work were the movers and shakers of the ranchers and large landowners in Montana. Interesting. Charlie, Charlie uh, uh, at that time, New York, New York became, became Nancy, it was all Nancy's doing, that they went to New York, and she was the one who who got those, those gallery owners to stand up and, you know, go, hey, this might be a good idea. And at the time, another Western artist named Ed Boreen, and also mm-hmm. Maynard were there in New York, and they became friends. They had a little artist colony of their own going on in New York City for the time <laughs> that Charlie was there. And eventually, Ed Boreen, who had he was from Oakland, California, but he'd been on he'd been a cowboy in a lot of the land grant uh, uh, ranches at that time. Oakland, the, the Bay Area, and stuff still had a lot of that Western attitude. Now it's all Silicon Valley. In fact, that's where I grew up, but. They, uh, Ed Boreen invited Charlie down to Mexico because he had worked as a vaquero in Mexico as well. He had worked his way all the way down there and took he and Nancy on a trail drive on the Terraza spread, which was oh. the largest ranch in the world at that time in northern Mexico. 
General Peraza owned, owned that before the Mexican Revolution. And Charlie got to see, like, really, he'd seen big roundups in Montana. The spring roundups in Montana were, you know, tens of thousands of cattle. But they'd never seen, like, a drive like this. They actually had a drive that went all the way to El Paso, and they got to go along as part of that because Ed Marine knew the people down there. Well, you know, that's interesting because, you know, you think, you think about ranches up in the United States, and we talk about acres. You think about ranches in Mexico, and you think about hectares, which is hundreds of acres. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, he also yeah. he had, he, shortly after that, he had his only overseas uh, exhibition at the London Door Galleries, and I guess he made quite a sensation over there as well. Some of the British royalty had bought some of his paintings. I think it was Prince Albert. I may have that wrong. But one of them came to the Calgary Stampede. And that's kind of how that started. And there was a lot of crossover of those ranchers and cowboys from Montana to Saskatchewan and Alberta. And so cowboys had worked on the ranches. Some guys had moved from Montana up to Saskatchewan and Alberta to start their own ranches. And... You know, it was all part of Charlie's world. Yeah, you know, a lot of the ranches up there, especially uh, Canada, but up in northern northern Montana and like that, they were uh, second and third sons of, of English nobility or yeah. royalty that had money, but these kids had no future in the, in the homeland, and they'd send them off to the colonies to, as businessmen. He had a whole, a whole culture of English ranchers all throughout the Northwest especially. Nothing wrong with that. I am simply amazed, and, and I am by no means stretch of the imagination any kind of an expert on art. I know colors, and <laughs> I know some painters, some artists. That's why I keep giving of, you pictures, hard, I know, I know. And you're really good with crayons, I, I'm too. Most I've excellent. noticed that. But I follow, I follow the, the advice of the, uh, of the great Kinky Friedman that art is in the eyes of the beer holder. Well, you know, Harry, that's why I keep giving you Crayolas. Cri- Not know. to eat them, but to draw with them. And, and I'm, but he eats them anyway. I, I, yeah. hey, what know, can you do with him? It's a great diet, i got to tell you. I'm just amazed. <laughs> so, yeah. so, Harry, just to, Go ahead. just to touch base on that circle, uh, when Kinky Friedman was in the record business back mm-hmm. in the early 70s, yeah. He had T-shirts printed up, and he sent them to everybody he knew. And my dad got one. Oh my! <laughs> and, and it's a it's a it's a a drawing of Kinky. He's got a big, yep. huge cowboy hat on. Yep, yep. He's on a horse that's basically like a little Shetland pony. It's yeah. too small for him. Yeah, yeah. It's a joke. Uh, and you know he's got some Western duds on, and he's got a huge cigar in his mouth. Yep. And below it, it says Kinky Friedman doing his thing. Yep. With an A, T H A N G. Yeah, and that was a, uh, you know, you talk about a colorful character. You, he yeah, surely was. No kidding. Yeah, it, of get, course. Uh, uh, Russell, who once uh, got a bottle, went on a went on a ride. Uh, Russell went on a ride with uh, um, Will Rogers, and uh, they tried to get Will Bill Hart to come, but he was busy, and the two of them rode up uh, on. Uh, uh, Will Rogers' ranch, and uh, they had their horses there, and they were basically um, talking about whose horse looked better, <laughs> whose horse was a better specimen. Well, mine's got a much finer neck, and well, mine has, look at those ears, they're <laughs> perfectly pointed, and they're so alert. And the, from that bottle and that ride, and sitting on top of the hill, they probably fell asleep after the bottle was empty. Uh, Russell did a uh, uh, did a, a bronze of that horse, and uh, um, Bill Reynolds and his father, who used to own Bolin, uh, that's the only time I've seen that bronze was that was done by him. Well, the point I was trying to get to here was that I, I think that it, the action that is portrayed in a Charlie Russell painting is. How does he do that? That is just, like, really cool. Because he saw it and lived well, yeah, it. I know. I see those things, too, but <laughs> I can't draw. You know? hey. Thanks, Bunker, for stating the obvious. We all know. Yeah, well, you got really to. appreciate it. You got to. The yeah, obvious we, we, is that. 
Captain Maybe you Obvious. can use the crayons and draw it out for him. Explain it to him. <laughs> Walker, thank you. Seriously. Boy, well, I've advanced. I get no respect, man. Pastels. Oh, okay. Sorry, pastels. My, no, my apologies. No, no respect. No, res- <laughs> no respect whatsoever. And this show has no liquor. Yeah, and that's the that's the problem, right? I got that, a Coca Cola. Well, well we drink before we come on the air. Well, which, it's legal. Us, some of us. Do. Well, hey, it's legal to drink here too because this is not a radio station. So I don't give a crap about FCC regulations. I don't give a crap about FCC regulations. There you hey. go. I said crap. How about that? Um, wait That's, a second. Is that with a K? Cancel him. That's, Cancel that, him. Yeah, right. Listen, um, we're going to do another break here. But before we do that, I need to oh, tell crap. you. <laughs> I need to tell you that uh, next week, or actually in two weeks, the uh, first weekend of October is Rex Allen Days. And uh, they're also going to do the Wild Bunch Film Festival in Wilcox that same weekend, which is the first weekend of October. Um, next week, we're going to have uh, uh, Carol Markstrom with us. Uh, she's been on the show before. She's uh, done a music video, and uh, she's an award winner, award-winning songwriter. Um, she has... Uh, WWA. Yeah, she has a uh, music video, which is a finalist in that uh, film festival, and another song that's a finalist for Western Lyrics. So... She'll be talking with us out at the White Stallion Ranch. And playing her guitar. And playing her guitar about that, What else too. are we going to have out there? Well, we're uh, going to, next, uh, let's see, next week it's Movie Saturday, so we're going to have Michael F. Blake with us, mm-hmm. and Todd Roberts, of course, and you and me, and uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the late Wilford Brimley and Linda Cristal and Olivia de Havilland. It's got it right, Harry. Why? Hey, golly, maybe a couple other dead cowboys. The, 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 the memory managed to follow. So, All right, so we got to do our next break here. So this is Emil Francis, Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, and Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts. Do stay tuned. We'll be back with much more after this. When looking for a property management company, here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. The Polash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Polash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, First, contact the Paul Ash Management Company today at paulashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Paul Ash Management Company, property managers you can trust. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. With the fall and the coming of cooler weather, Tucson Trap and Skeet now institutes our fall hours. Office hours are Wednesday through Sunday from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. And automated fields are open daily from 7 a.m. until dusk. So come out and shoot from one of our 50 trap fields, 13 skeet fields, or five international bunkers. Visit TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com for all of our upcoming events or call 883-6426. Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Tom, the host of the Movies Outs podcast and I'm inviting you to give the Movies Outs podcast a listen. Every episode, my co-hosts and I review the latest box office releases. But there's more than simply just that. We also play games like... The Alexa quote of the show. And may the odds be ever in your favor. And have a From the Cutting Room 4 segment that is an open forum to discuss anything from our thoughts of a Netflix TV series to our experiences with movie subscriptions such as AMC Stubs or MoviePass. So, after finishing this podcast... Please give the Movies Outs podcast a listen. We can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. Simply search Movies Outs. Until then, that's a wrap.
coming to you from the great southwestern United States. You're darn tootin'. Yes, sir, Bob. This is the Voices of the West. Well, and hearing that music means that it's the bottom of the hour there, because that's the uh, what themes, themes, that's Bunker's song, the theme to the High Chaparral. And uh, 52 of them or something like that. Yeah, anyway. Welcome back to Emil Francie's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts, David Layton in studio with us. And uh, with us also in Los Angeles is Dan Galeasso. We're talking about the art of Charlie Russell. Kid uh, Galeasso. Kid Galeasso. <laughs> Cowboy Galeasso. How the hell did an Italian kid like from Silicon Valley get into all this stuff? Yeah, exactly. How in the hey, hell did that happen? Hey, the West, you know, we, everybody thinks the West is full of Americans. It was full of foreigners. Well, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, i got to tell you one of my favorite Charlie stories. It has a little bit to do with when, Harry, you asked about, well, how did he do that? Yeah. You know, it. I think part of it was through love. But, you know, he, he when he was in New York, he and Ed Vereen went to a showing of modern artists, <laughs> including Picasso. I can't even remember some of the names. Very, very famous uh, uh, modern artists who were just getting their start. This would have been probably about 1917, 18. And Charlie walked around. He looked at this stuff, and he looked at Ed Vereen, and he says, You know why all these fellas do all these cubes and in strange shapes and stuff, because they can't draw. <laughs> They're bum drawing. Because if you took an old Waddy Cowhand and put him in this room with all these modern art pictures and he was drunk, when he woke up the next morning, he'd either be cured or he'd die a shot. <laughs> I believe it. Which is just what you'd expect Charlie to be like about that subject. Yeah, well, I now, agree. Uh, and let's talk about the book, Trails Plowed Under. Uh, it's a great introduction by Will Rogers. But I seem to remember, Dan, you saying something to the effect that, eh, don't believe everything you read in, in that book. Well, Charlie loved everybody. You know, when he first got to Montana, he saw the end of a frontier that isn't often depicted in movies and popular culture. He still saw the freight wagons. He saw the, the steamboats bring supplies. He saw guys who had been mountain men that were in their 80s now. And, of course, what are mountain men known for? In great tellers of tall tales. Yeah. And, you know, the Plains Indian was pretty good at that, too. And, you know, he got to know the Blackfeet. He lived with the Blood Indians for a short time. And, uh, you know, he was all... Charlie could be so shy when he was in New York or L.A. and let Nancy do the selling. He used to call her the holdup. She's a holdup <laughs> in this family. And so they'd negotiate with her. And so, uh, you know, Charlie's, the, the people he depicted in those paintings that are also unlike Remington's and lots of other wonderful Western artists, it was the West that was so changing, and he got to see the tail end of it. And, you know, he'd tell, I, it, it, we've all seen Shane, and when you watch Jack Palance die in that film, mm -hmm. and he's, still, he's shooting his pistol into the, in, into the floor before he goes down. And I've seen the director's yeah. script, which has Joe DeYoung's notes to him. And he says in the note for that scene on the opposite page of the script, Chaz Russell told me about Rattlesnake Owens, you know, up in, I forget the name of the town, in, in, in Lewiston, Montana. And he said, uh, you know, he was terrorizing the local populace, and they finally had enough. And he says, when they, they took him down with their own guns, and it says, but he was game. He kept on firing that gun into the ground until he finally expired. <laughs> you know, you see that. How in much some of that was Charlie and how much of that was true? There was probably a lot of truth to it. Yeah. But Charlie knew how to embellish that when he was around people that he loved and knew. Yeah. You know, if, if it was Easterners that he thought were being pompous, he was real quiet. When he was around his own kind, you know, he could tell a tall tale as good as anybody, maybe even better, so... Well, you mentioned a name earlier uh, when you were talking about the director's script, Joe DeYoung. Let's talk about him, because it, he seemed to have a, a real prominent place in your presentation. Well, that's, I published the first big piece on, Char, on Joe DeYoung for Montana, the magazine of Western history, back around 
I really and it was did. because he brought the West of Charlie Russell to movie screen. But he was Charlie Russell's only known protege. Hmm. He had been a cowboy on the 101 Ranch in Oklahoma and went off with Tom Mix when early silent film to Prescott, Arizona for a film and came down with Spinal Meningitis. He came back from that okay, except he lost his hearing. So how are you going to cowboy if you can't hear? And his friend who came out to pick him up from Oklahoma and bring him back, they took a detour through Cheyenne during Cheyenne Frontier Days, and he saw a portfolio of prints of Charlie Russell's prints. This was about 1914. And he'd always had a little bit of an artistic inclination that his father encouraged. And he wrote to Charlie Russell up in Montana, sent some samples, and eventually Charlie invited him to come up and spend some time there, and he lived with Nancy and Charlie for 10 years. And he got an education behind, besides his cowboy education, he got an education in the history and Plains Indians, and it was a Ph.D. better than anybody could have given you in those subject matters, direct from Charlie. And they go to see Western movies, silent Western movies, and he and Charlie sign language between each other, joking about, well, that saddle's wrong, or how could that <laughs> fella do that, you know? And so that was when Charlie died, he was very helpful to, to Nancy. And he came down here to first Santa Barbara, because there that's where the artist colony of Western artist was that were getting to be well known, like Ed Barine and Maynard Dixon. And he eventually went on the trail ride for what became the Rancho Vistadori, which is the kind of very high-end horseman's group of CEOs and ranch owners and people in the Western wear business and some, some Hollywood people back in those days. And Walt Disney, Will Rogers, uh, and Cecil B. DeMille's business manager were all part of it. And Joe got invited along, became a member, and became their artist the official artist for the Vistadores. And that's what got him introduced to Cecil B. DeMille, who was doing The Plainsman. And he was, they said, we're looking for somebody who's an expert in the Old West. And he wasn't just an expert in the Old West, he was an expert in Charlie's Old West. Mm -hmm. And that's what he brought to those big films like The Plainsman and Union Pacific and Red River in a way, uh, and certainly Shane. You know, he wound up being the grand old man of Paramount Studios. If you had a question about the Old West in the 1950s, you went over and talked to, to Jody Young. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Well, you know, there's, there's a uh, quote to Charlie. The papers have been kind to me, many times more kind than true. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, he also said, you know, one of his great speeches about any man who can make a living doing what he loves is is lucky, and that's me. Anytime I check out now, I'm ahead of the game. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, let's let's go back I mean, a little bit to, you know, when Charlie was first up in Montana, he uh, lived with the blood for a while, and he ended up, and this tells you how much they respected him, they named him Awakus, uh, Horns That Fork, or Antelope. And there is a uh, watercolor drawing of him from a letter that he sent the old Indian that he lived with, uh, talking to him, Indian speak, in English, so, about what we're going to do when we get together again. And it is just so neat. That was Medicine Whip. Yes, and yes, yes. Who's actually depicted in one of his most famous paintings, When Sue Meet Blackfeet. And... You know what that meant in blood? It it meant antelope because of the white leather seat in Charlie's pants. <laughs> wow. Can't get away from those damn pants. Apparently not. Those witches. I'm going to give me a pair. Yeah, we're going to have to find some. <laughs> well, you know, this is interesting, too, that during, the, during his uh, period of 1912 to 1915, he did four major Canadian mounted police paintings one each year mm -hmm. and I've, I've seen I've seen pictures of them I'd love to see the reels up close but uh, we we forget that Charlie is an American artist he was considered by the Canadians to be a Canadian artist 
because of the proximity of where he lived, right? Well, he he spent time up there, up there you know. Yeah. He uh, he liked to say a at the end of the conversation, a. a. So <laughs> I mean, that could be really why he got used he liked to like Yeah, and yeah. Tuborg. Well, I mean, <laughs> there's real reasons why they they claimed him. And uh, you, uh, Dad, have you got any any comment on the Canadian Mountie pictures? Well, you know it. It was the only military subject or semi-military subject that Charlie ever painted. He uh, he never he had done one watercolor at Custer's Last Stand because somebody asked him to do that, and oh, yeah. his his he was always his loved the Indian, and so he never depicted. You know, he was always talking about, "I wish I could have seen this country 50 years ago," you know, when it was still unspoiled, which kind of played into his greatest masterpiece his Sistine Chapel is the painting that is still everybody can go see in the Montana State Legislature it's 25 feet by 9 feet and it's Lewis and Clark meeting the Flathead Indians oh, at Ross's oh. Hole and it's from the viewpoint of of the, the, the Flathead that painting was appraised about 7 years ago by the state of Montana so they could have it refurbished and the appraisal then came in at $30 million. Good grief. Yeah, I know. When Charlie died in 1926, he was the highest paid living American artist in any genre. He had been paid $30,000 by the Doheny family right here in Beverly Hills. Hmm. And that was to do a mural. It was the last piece he painted. And he was very sick at the time. And that $30,000... If you add it in for inflation today, would come out to five hundred and sixty thousand dollars. No one had ever paid thirty thousand dollars for an American painter that was alive in nineteen twenty-six. Well, you know, so his success superseded, you know, just Western art. Yeah. yeah. Well, in two thousand five, at an auction, uh, his nineteen eighteen painting of the Pegans sold for five point six million, and a bronze at the same sale. Sold for one million eight thousand. Good, and that's modern money. You know, that's modern times. And there's there's very few artists. I don't care who they are. That sell for that nowadays. No, I don't. I don't know of any. And I certainly know that none of my scrawlings ever sold for anything like that. And <laughs> we are going to finish up on our last break here. So uh, stay tuned. This is Amo Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, and Todd Roberts, David Layton in studio. Our guest Dan Galliasso. Our topic is Charlie Russell Art. We'll be back. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were built. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and a hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond checking stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. Hi, this is Craig Morgan with a special message for all those who have served in the U.S. Army. The National Museum of the United States Army, to be built at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, will include the Soldiers Registry. 
an electronic record of Americans who have worn the Army uniform, recognizing their service. I've already added my story to the registry. I hope you'll add yours. To learn more and to make your story a permanent part of the National Army Museum, visit armyhistory.org. Read classic Western comics anytime at voicesofthewest.net. Back on Amo Franzi's Voices of the West, Saturday, 19th of September. Harry Alexander <laughs> and Bucker to Friends. What John is it? I don't know. <laughs> David Layton with us. It's also International Talk Like a Pirate Day. Arr, and I don't know arr, what century I'm supposed my. to be in. Well, you know, we used to have out there when I was living in California, we used to get together and ever so often would have a wear your cowboy hat and talk dirty. Day at the at the coffee shop, and it was so funny because one day we were in there and the gal that always waited on she come up and she says, "What are you guys having?" <laughs> Dan, we were um, talking during the break about the uh, Montana license plate, the the uh, uh, image of the the cattle skull. Was that done by Charlie Russell? Do you know? If if you see the, it's definitely a silhouette of a buffalo skull. That's Charlie Russell, that's and that's so identifiable with Montana. Mm-hmm. Todd, you've been kind of quiet. What's going on? <laughs> well, I'm just listening to uh, Dan share nothing but pearls of wisdom about Charlie Russell, <laughs> which I think is, you know, the whole point of the show is uh, to let somebody who's in the groove do do oh, what they do. Right. Um, at the same time, you know, I think it's it's amazing that you know, here we are over 100 years later, and we're speaking about him as if he's alive because his art is alive. Amen. And when yeah. you watch it, it's almost like looking at a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you can hear the sounds, smell the smells, and see the whatever is the story that's going on. And how often he, he also lives not only in Jody Young's art, he lives in Jody Young, the films that he worked on as well. And, of course, he also, you know, is very much represented in some other artists who he's tremendously influenced, such as Olaf Seltzer, who uh, so often you see such just obvious uh, thievery by Seltzer of Charlie Russell, mm. uh, whether it's big spur concho. Yeah, spur strap conchos, huge conchos on spur straps or plaid pants on a cowboy or whatever it may be. Um, and I think it's 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 really interesting because, I, I you know, I've never been able to articulate it in the way that you guys have today about the differences between Russell and Remington. I always just said that Russell <clears throat> Remington was an Easterner who came out and observed and uh, he looked at the Indian as a noble savage. And Russell looked at the Indian as as his brother, and he was a participant. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a, there's and a, I think that says it best. There's a great another another great Charlie Russell quote. There are some things small nature won't let man copy, and you <laughs> kind of said that uh, in the beginning of your thing there, Todd. And I, I was when I read it, I'm thinking, now what could that be? Because he really captured stuff, and then it dawned on me, it's like. The wind in in aspens, uh, you know, the smell of a campfire, and yet he he came as close as anybody to doing that. You look at the, at the chuck wagon paintings and stuff, and you can almost smell the campfire. You know, you can almost well, smell the campfire. You're absolutely right, Bunker, and not to diminish Dan's point of the one that's in the uh, the 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 government building that we talked about meeting uh, the Indians. But I've always felt that his painting titled, uh, that has no humans in it at all, it's uh, it's called Before Man. Yeah. And it's a herd of buffalo walking up onto a bluff. And, you know, there's coyotes trailing them uh, or some wolves. And, you know, it's just, it is Before Man. It's, it's, it's America... Uh, 500 to 1,000 years ago. What does a Russell go for these days? Uh, any ideas? 
Well, it's all going to depend on the Russell, because yeah. the best-known ones just don't come up for for sale very often. And they could easily, some of the best-known that you see reproduced all over that belong in collections like the Sid Richardson collection in Fort Worth and the Almond Carter collection in Fort Worth as well, too, probably the best collections, those could go for 10 to $15 million. I've walked through the collection at the Cowboy Hall of Fame with Joel McRae's grandson, Wyatt McRae, yep. that you guys have met. Yep, we know And why. his grandfather bought some of those original Russells back Ooh. in the 1950s Whoa. and donated them to the hall when he became the president of the Cowboy nice. Hall of Fame. And Wyatt and I walked through, and he was, he'd look at one, and he'd go, well, you know, that'd be uh, three of us could buy four ranches, you know, based <laughs> on the price of that painting. And... Uh, you know, so it's it's, it's the best-known ones. Uh, when you see these paintings going at some of the big auctions, they're not as well-known. I mean, a watercolor can go for $90,000 on up to a million dollars, depending on the subject matter and how how mm. influential that particular piece was. So it's, it's hard to say. Well, you know, it's like, it's like the envelopes, you know, with the little sketches. They don't come up that often, but when they do, you know, they're growing more money than full-fledged paintings. Mm. And if it was to a well-known friend of Charlie's, like Will Roger or oh, Tom yeah. Mix or somebody like that, price goes up. Mm. Amazing. Well, yeah. Here, I want to. Uh, one of his little uh, sketches. Uh, I want your comment on this, Dan, because I, I think this is so hilarious. It's the whole damn the whole family starts out mounted. You know the one I mean. No, I don't. It doesn't ring a bell, Bunker. Well, that's the one. Uh, it's about cavemen getting mounted, and you got these three cavemen mounted on horses, charging a woolly mammoth, Tyrannosaurus uh, Rex. Okay, yes, I do know the one you're saying. They're swinging the clubs at the woolly mammoth. Yeah, and... yeah. That you know, it just it's so it's so indicative of his humor. <laughs> well, and you know. He painted some pretty ribald stuff that Nancy tried to buy back after his death. There's that, that famous one of a, uh, a, an Indian lodge with a cowboy's horse outside of it, and he painted a flap that if you put a nickel in, the flap would go back, and there was an X-rated cowboy and Indian maiden there. Well, you know, that brings up one. The, the Kioma series of paintings where Nancy was the body model. And those are, those are, you know, you look at those and they're not the typical Charlies, but they are just so well done. And remember, he was self-taught. Yeah. Amazing. Just, just yeah, I mean, amazing. he's in, and the, you know, he did stuff of knights in shining armor when they went to, to London and, and of pilgrims. And, you know, he sometimes when they're traveling, he would let the ambiance of the place they were traveling to grip him, and he got interested in the history. Well, yeah. And so, you know, he, he did those, at, often in the letters, but occasionally it's another piece for a friend. But, uh, you know, the, the one he did for Douglas Fairbanks is D'Artagnan, where D'Artagnan is bowing his hat. It's a wonderful one. He's, he's bowing on horseback to Charlie Russell. You know, that reminds me, uh, you know, he uh, B.M. Bauer, who was the first woman successful Western writer wrote over 60 novels, and her first one was uh, Chip of the Flying U, which uh, Chip was actually Charlie in the story. But uh, Bauer and Charlie, I guess, like you were saying, they were like, they were enamored with the old knights, and I guess Charlie drew lots of stuff for her, knighthood and all the fine stuff like that. Fellas, we are out of time. Oh. I know. Let's go another half hour. Yeah, right. Oh. Dan, Let's extend this. Dan, thank you for uh, spending your uh, Saturday afternoon with us. Appreciate Thanks it Thanks for letting me on again. Appreciate it hey, much. It's always a pleasure. Yes. You too, Todd. And Todd, thank you. Well, thank you, gentlemen. As always, it's just the highlight of my week. <laughs> David, thank you for dropping by. I always enjoy being here. It Next, was David, it was the highlight of my Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. Next that. Saturday, we're out at the White Stallion Ranch uh, for Movie Saturday. Wilford Brimley is our topic, along with uh, Olivia de Havilland, Linda Cristal, Michael F. Blake is our guest. We'll also talk with Carol Markstrom out there. 
And uh, that's about it for this edition of Emil Francie's Voices of the West. Until next time. 78, 79, 80. Woohoo! So long. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzik's Voices of the West.